Clustered conversations. Clustered conversations. By Weka. Hey there, and welcome to Clustered Conversations. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And we're joined today by uh, Maur Ben-Dayan, our chief architect. He's been here since the founding, came over here with the uh, the original founders and kind of put this thing together. So, uh, Maur, how are you doing today? Very good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. So, uh, you know, we were just kind of curious. I mean, we, we've worked with you now for a couple of years. I've been here three and, you know, just uh, get a little bit more on your background. So where did you come from? How did you end up in storage? What is, you know, why here and mm-hmm. why storage? Uh, yeah, well, um, actually, most of my career was in storage, funnily enough, but uh, it was uh, quite a coincidence. Um, uh, after my military service, I uh, had a couple of friends that pulled me into an interesting uh, startup that uh, ended up being XAV acquired by um, IBM. Um, and so that's storage, uh, but I found it uh, really, uh, really interesting. So uh, I'm, I'm still here, uh, well, um, 17 years later. Wow. wow. So you were at uh, XIV with, uh, with Laurent back in the day. Mm-hmm. That, was yes, he one yes. of the guys who brought you in or is that where you met him? Uh, no, so Liran was uh, joined XAV before me. Uh, Omri, uh, the, the third founder of uh, Weka, um, joined um, earlier as well. Um, I well, I did uh, a, a small detour uh, going to study for my masters um, between my military service and uh, and XAV, but they. I, I never got to finish it. <laughs> they they, <laughs> they well, pulled me I, in, and that was the end of it. I remember XIV was pretty revolutionary because back then SATA was considered like you know not enterprise. It was like the uh, the secondary tiers, like laptop storage or computer storage. It wasn't uh, enterprise storage. And when XIV came out with the way that they did data protection and everything else and, and caching. It, it actually elevated SATA to an actual usable storage platform within, uh, you know, a data center. If, if I got that yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the, I guess the, 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 the revolutionary part was uh, starting to look at um, storage as a software layer above on top of commodity hardware, um, because uh, up until then, m- many of the innovations were hardware related, um, and so much slower, um, much slower pace. Um, and then from that point on, um, it became a roller coaster. I mean, uh, if you look at uh, the last 15 years in storage it's, it's so much have changed wow so Absolutely. what what kind of changed from sort of xiv being you know sata based block based you know going to this software defined sort of methodology how did that lead to utilizing nvme and turning into weka Um, interesting. So, so first of all, NVMe happened um, regardless of, uh, of of 
XAV or Weka. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a revolutionary media um, mm-hmm. on its own. Um, but um, but the, the 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 concept of uh, of taking um, cheap and um, available uh, components, hardware components, and turning them into um, um, something else, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. In in mm-hmm. XAV, it was uh, enterprise storage from SATA drives, and um, in in Weka, it's taking um, uh, off-the-shelf. Um, Components and VME, or and binding them into a whole uh, data platform, taking care of all of the uh, organization data needs from highest uh, performance to backup, etc. So was it just a, a purely a business decision of hey, there's this new NVMe thing, let's let's try a new method, or let's like maybe try and redo some of what we did at XIV to create a new company and a new product or or was it something a little more organic with regards to as you know time has gone on and as technology has progressed you've seen this new technology come out and you know there's been some epiphany some you know muse that went in the, in your mind as to how we can use this to do something more interesting and better than what's currently on the market uh, yeah, for me it was like, uh, yeah, it 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 can't be that we're taking a hardware that is so intrinsically different and trying to use it the same way we've been. Uh, using hard drives Um, and then the thought experiment began as to um, what can we do uh, if we if we rethink it from uh, from scratch and and specifically around unstructured data because structured data was so sort of an understood problem by then, um, but with unstructured data, we still had all the legacy solutions, mm-hmm. um, and it went to so one thought exercise was how fast and performant can we make unstructured data be? Can we make it as performant as structured data and basically do away with structured data? That's one thought experiment. Uh, mm-hmm. Another was, uh, um, can we can we do something that would be uh, Build a platform that would be cloud native, um, but would still make um, perfect sense for on-prem as well. Um, it, oh, so it went to different uh, directions, but we ended mm-hmm. up building Weka. So, so Josh and so, I and Dave yesterday were playing around, or last week, we've been playing around on a six-node cluster. 
and running IO 500 on it um, a bunch of different times. So it's six servers mm-hmm. with 24 drives each uh, and yep. two 200 gig cards, right? Uh, and we got yeah, that yes. whole, com- yeah, we, and we had 10 clients. So we did the 10 node challenge and we got that to, we're now 10th place in the 10 node challenge with the run that we did because we got to 200 gigabytes a second of reads roughly and about just over 100 gigabytes a second of writes on this tiny little cluster. So if you guys were looking for <laughs> unstructured data going really fast, you've done it. Um, <laughs> Still need to fix the P find though. That I've, I've, yeah, the, the current P find in IO five hundred. It seems to be one point four three five million, and and that's it. No matter how big the cluster is, it's, it's it drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong with that P find. But we but we were able to. Um, we built the cluster really kind of odd. We built it as a uh, ten plus two, even though it was a six server cluster, because we did two containers each. And we, we ran each half half of the drives on one network card on each container. So it was, a, it was a fun little thought experiment. But we got more throughput that way than running it as a single container cluster. Mm-hmm. And still resilient to a, a failure domain loss. I mean, only a yeah. single loss, but you could still survive one. Yeah. So we've been having fun because uh, Josh and I get to play with some cool stuff. Josh recently built a cluster. It was a converged on a bunch of uh, GPU servers. And yeah. we ran into the same thing because we had multiple NUMAs and AMD socket issues, right, that we run into once in a while. Um, and we we basically created a multi-container again, and you were able to get really great performance off that one and also even do GPU Direct. So it's... Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I did a GPU Direct on that. And that's, that's actually one of the major cloud providers as well that actually provides you, uh, you know, direct access to the physical underlying hardware that they have on those on those GPU systems and only using two of the NICs. I didn't try and use all of them yet, still kind of working through the kind of regression testing or certification for for those systems was doing 22 gigabyte per second using our DPDK stack. And fu- funnily enough, or funny enough, interestingly enough, sorry, it, uh, GDS was a little bit slower. It only did 18, but still 18 gigabyte per second over to the links. And there's like, 14 other links on it sort of thing. So it could probably do something kind of funny. Uh, but I think the more interesting and kind of impressive aspect of that cluster is that it's converged. Like these are the GPU systems and they've got what, 100, 128 total physical cores. Yeah. And I'm using 20 to run yep. substantial amounts of IO and still leaving you know 108 physical cores for other CPU work plus the GPUs. It's wild. Well, the, the yeah, one so- thing... The- so the one thing that drives us nuts, though, is network. So, uh, you know, we, we keep running it. Yeah, it's always a network. It's either a routing a issue or or yeah, a, a port issue. Or in this case, that we were, we were troubleshooting a couple of days ago is an RDMA over the network issue, which works on, on one, one OFED version, but doesn't on the other. So we always run into weird networking issues is, uh, is our biggest complaint. But once we get past that, Weka works every single time. It's super fast. So nice job. Just, uh, just saying thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to hear that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, technology keeps changing, right? We've, we've seen t- some, actually, in the, in the lifetime that I've been here, WECA, three years, is we've seen technology come and go because we saw storage class memory get this big, huge push in the early days when I first showed up here. And then it kind of it's weaned to the point where no one's developing it anymore. Um, you know, that was a short three year run. We see QLC coming out. We've got, uh, you know, um, different form factors coming out. What do you see on the horizon of, of something interesting? I mean, Bluefield, you know, it, it could be in networking, could be in, in storage, could be in CPU. What is it that you see that that's neat? Um, yeah, so 
I, I do think uh, QLC and uh, and DLC that will uh, will come after it, um, and basically um, none becoming cheaper and cheaper um, is is uh, is the most interesting thing, and that, uh, because at some point. I mean, there's always these graphs showing that the media, the, the media alone, uh, the, the uh, when looking at the media alone, the gap between um, SSDs and hard drives remains at like 10x, which might be true. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a prophet, so I, I don't know, but. Um, but if you look at the system as a whole, since there are all those other components and uh, and networking is is not the least of them, when you look at the total cost of a system, uh, it the, the the gap certainly becomes um, narrower as uh, as time goes by, and it. I, I do think that it's getting to the point where the media cost will cease to be an, uh, a factor in, uh, in deciding which way to go. And that would be an enormous change. Um, currently, so th th there are claims that even if none became cheaper than hard drives, there are simply not enough fabs in the world to satisfy the demand. Right. Um, but, but I guess we'll, we'll certainly test this, this theory in the coming years. Yeah, we did and have fabs the, can uh, the shortage. Be built. Yeah. Well, we also did have the Take shortage that. of fabs the last, and after Indonesia had the, uh, the, the flooding, right? We, we had that outage of fabs oh, for man. a while there. So. That was yeah, a rough yeah. couple of years. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. So I remember reading oh, news well. stories about people going to like Best Buys and Costco's and everywhere, anywhere where they had a hard drive in something, and they would go and raid all of the uh, what was it, all of the external hard drives to shuck them so they could have storage for something. I think Backblaze did a lot of that too. They just they needed just something to be able to throw into their servers. We got to have storage. I don't care where you get it. I don't need a warranty. Just <laughs> send your friends. Yeah, send well. Family. Currently, it seems like the, the the semiconductors industry bottleneck is actually professional construction workers because, for example, in Ohio, Intel is trying to start building the fab, but there aren't enough construction workers in the in the area to to be able to um, to to build the fab. Plus all of the other um, projects that are planned around it, so it's it's it seems like this is currently the bottleneck. And it's I, I guess it's not only Ohio. There's uh, Colorado is trying to build uh, a few fabs, and it's uh, these are enormous projects. So we'll see. Yeah, I've been to the uh, Micron Fab a couple times when I used to cover them at my previous job, and that, those are giant buildings with as much technology in them as I've ever seen, like robots and and vats of chemicals and people wearing white suits walking around. It's a it's almost a frightening sight to walk around. 
<laughs> Be careful where you step. So, so what about Bluefield? I mean, we've talked about that a couple of times here at WECA. I mean, we, or, or ARM even, right? I think they might be hand in hand because I think there's an ARM processor on that. Now we see uh, the guys up in Amazon also heading towards ARM for their EC2 instances as well. I mean, where are we at with, with ARM as far as uh, as supported platform? Uh, yeah, so the the first thing that will uh, will get supported, and we certainly look into into supporting ARM, uh, will be supporting it on the client side, where it's awesome. uh, um, it's uh, it's both uh, more um, uh, well, I guess current for uh for customers uh run, because they, they would like to use the the more uh, cost effective uh, instances uh, mm-hmm. on aws um and but and and for for the backends there are um some nice well quite neat plans for using uh, um bluefield or um uh, well other um uh, uh, smart nicks um but the, it, there is some time to go before we actually um get to it i suppose yeah i'm, I'm just the, looking the, forward the, to raspberry pi support <laughs> josh, josh wants to build a raspberry pi cluster so bad <laughs> i do i really do i want like a one u like 12 or 16 however many raspberry pi compute modules you can throw in there each with just some small like you know 256 gig ssd in them or something like that and just just see what it does i think it'd be interesting yeah yeah uh, i wonder what kind of uh, arm processor do they have there i i i, I haven't I think it's an RB7. Uh, most recent. Really? Okay. Yeah, they're pretty beefy boxes. I mean, I got, I got a couple of old, a couple of generations old, and they run my whole home automation on them, <laughs> plus my firewall and a few other things. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. they're pretty beefy little boxes. Yeah, it's an A72 cool. quad core 1.5. Wow. On the new Pi 4. Yeah. So, so. So we're heading towards the new GUI. You know, we got the the S3 protocol. I mean, it seems like we've done a, quite a bit of change because when we start, when I started here, we, we were a converged box and we're trying to sell hardware was the first version. And then we went towards uh, um, all software version and POSIX. And then we've really added a lot of cool protocols lately. I mean, how how has that been for you guys to see, you know, the peripheral, no, sorry, the, the growth of Weka? No, I can't even say it. The growth of Weka, uh, you know, out in the market to different, different um, places that we didn't expect. And, to be. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, we started with AIML and we've kind of grown into all sorts of things. So, how has that been for you guys to see? Has it been difficult to support, or is it kind of fun? Well, obviously both. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, so it's. Uh, I guess it's 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 kind of like uh, taking your kid to the amusement park. You get pulled in many directions, um, and it's uh, it can be it, it can be hard, but ultimately it's uh, it's great fun because you find yourselves in places uh, doing stuff that you didn't quite think you'll uh, um, or you didn't plan for. Um, 
Yeah, so for example, M&E was, uh, uh, well, we, we knew we'll want to go there some, someday, but kind of got pulled into it um, without, uh, um, without, without prior um, planning. And, um, and, and it's, a fine, it's a fun ride. It, it does uh, force us to accelerate uh, plans around, for example, SMB. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, if you have, uh, if somebody cares about your product and uh, it really makes a difference to them, it's uh, great. That's the, that's the reason we, we get up in the morning. Um, I, at the end of the- I think, yeah, we started out with M and E. I think in the cloud, and we had a few customers really purchase it and start running it without even telling us, and you know, kind of grew and grew and grew. Uh, and then they asked for features, and we've been adding it. And recently, I think we've had a number of on-prem wins with with M and E. I've been involved with a couple of them, and a lot of those have been around the SMB stack and being mm-hmm. able to do the the you know the line speed SMB that we're able to do now. So I've got, you know, one guy doing color correction at eight gigs. We got another one trying to do, I think, 16K video projection onto a giant screen. Mm-hmm. So it's uh it, it's fascinating to see, you know, the, the quick adoption within the uh, the market that that often takes a little while to get used to something. Um, but and, and you know we've been doing both because we can do the the reads and the writes. Um, and I, oh, we also got back into another customer in a in a weird um, kind of use case that that we normally didn't think of is as a VTL again to be a backup target for a large database because they need a backup at sixty gigs a second. There's not much that can do it, and so here comes Weka walking in, throw our system down there and uh, get them backing up again. So yeah, it's okay. it, it's fun to see these new use cases kind of pop in. Um, yeah, how was that? Yeah, drives? But, yeah, but I mean, when you first uh, start um, um, going into into a new field, it's uh, th- there's always the, the the learning curve and uh, the, the pain that comes uh, the growing pains. Yeah, with it, yes. So. Yeah, but, but yeah, you know, I think... uh, looking back, it's always fun. I mean, uh, an experience is uh, trauma in uh, retrospective, I suppose. <laughs> well, the neat part is since it is unstructured data, it's not structured. There, there doesn't need to be some sort of interesting input, right? As long as something can point to a file system, we can usually handle it, a lot of it. Uh, there's, you know, a few corner cases where we've, we've run into issues and, need, you know, we need some development. But a lot of that middle where middle uh, workloads, we kind of fit in nicely and, and do a good job in without trying anything, right? I, I've walked into places with software build and we've done fantastic. We've walked into places that do, you know, any kind of animation and it, it, it rendering, it, it fits in nicely. So, you know, it, the, the core business we can do really well. It's the niche that we're working on right now. I think those are the parts that are going to take us time to develop. Yeah, and the integration. So ultimately, yeah, the core, the, the core Weka product can very well handle any workload that you throw at it and it's been one of the uh, keystones when we started thinking of how to to architect the product um and but uh there there are always the the integrations and it's um 
as we as we learned um it's it's those are extremely important to customers um so so we're putting a lot of effort in uh, in making the the whole experience um good for yep. for them awesome yep cool um well, I think I, one more I was going to ask you about, uh, you know, just weka wise and protection wise. I know we've done, we got erasure coding. How'd you guys decide on erasure coding versus RAID? I mean, that's like the, you know, standard storage has always been hardware RAID or hardware based or, you know, something that, that managed it. I know XIV, you guys did a little bit of software stuff, but how'd you guys decide on the way that we do things here? Because we can group servers, we can group racks, and we can group the availability zones into a protection. Uh, it was a protection issue, unit, failure, failure domains. domains. Yeah, failure domains. So how'd you guys decide on that? Because that's uh, it's been a, a really cool feature that that I don't think we exploited enough. Yeah. So the the, the thought track was we want to be able to do something that will 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 scale to um, well to be. Um, to be dramatic, uh, un unheard of uh, proportions. Um, so, if if we keep to this uh, to this RAID concept, uh, at, at the end of the day, a failure is handled by a very small amount of uh, of resources, and since the application ultimately reads randomly and if not if if it's not a single application then if you aggregate a uh, hundred applications running concurrently you'll you'll get basically a random uh, workload so once you have one hotspot one place um, in this in the in the in the whole system that is um, that is slower that behaves poorly because there's a a small amount of resources dedicating dedicated to to fixing an issue you very quickly see this affecting the entire cluster and this doesn't scale we we have to we had to Come up with uh, with a scheme where any failure will uh, will impact a, a large cluster. Well, as the cluster gets larger, a single um, um, a, a single failure will impact the cluster less and less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oh. we yeah. Sweet. Well. Uh... We appreciate it. I mean, we've uh, that was basically for Josh and I because we enjoy <laughs> we we try different uh, protection schemes on the system to try to see what we can get out of it. So it's been uh, it's good to understand exactly. better how it works. Well, so, having worked uh, with you know standard RAID right in the past, you know RAID 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 one, RAID zero, RAID ten, RAID five, RAID fifteen, RAID whatever, you know six, RAID DP, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and and even you know a bunch of different kinds of RAID Solomons at different widths and stripe lengths and parity, etc. Um, kind of having the simplicity that we have of, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not as 
wide and dramatic as maybe some other companies go to, you know, many hundreds of data like blocks to some, you know, 16 or 30 parity or something like that. We're much, much easier, I almost said simpler, but like easier, much more sort of manageable. It's something you actually wrap your head around um, kind of seeing or hearing how that sausage was made is interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you for also, you know, becoming a software-based platform because, I mean, uh, some of our competitors that we've, uh, you know, we've worked for before, they were hardware-based platforms and it was to get any kind of new technology. It was a two, three-year slog of waiting for it. Hey, I need another 16 gigs of RAM. Okay, well, we'll put that in the next revision, which is uh, six months away, right? It's a, uh, it, it was a, uh, it's so much different here. Basically, if I need 16 more gigs of RAM in a system to ma- maintain more metadata, I can have the customer just pop in a couple more DIMMs and we're off and running. It's a, uh, or, or PCI or PCI Gen 4. Yeah. Where, yeah, exactly. Our customers, our customers had it even before we had it in the lab. Um, yep. and, yeah, and, and, and running it. just fine. Yeah, yeah, PCI Gen 5 is around the corner too. Uh, and that was kind of, uh, it was an interesting thing to watch because PCI Gen 3 lived with us for so long. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. Gen 4 comes out and we're so excited that it's here. And like a year later, like, oh, yeah, Gen 5 is coming out next year. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, and, and it's actually <laughs> going to be on the market. That's the wild part. It's not just, hey, they've announced that there's this new standard and eventually somebody will get around to it. It's like, no, no, no. no it's coming yeah. now. <laughs> one of our one of our uh, customers actually asked us to architect something with 400 gig uh networking already so we're already uh, starting to design gen 5 systems um to get that first generation out there and like it'll work you know it's just our software will run on it just like it does on everything else because it just runs so yeah cool and it will be even faster so it's actually (laughs) i think really interesting to see that like previously it's been the network's been the bottleneck or or the you know the pci bus has been the bottleneck I think with five, it's going to be the CPUs. The processor is now going to be the bottleneck until we get like IPC improvements above what we've seen with the PCIe express lanes and and networking, where it doubles every generation. Like IPC doesn't double on the on the processors every generation. It's usually fifteen, maybe twenty percent gains if you're lucky, generation to generation. Not a hundred percent. So that'll be. That'll be interesting for me, at least, to watch watch that unfold. Yeah, I think that the the, the ratios mm, it's interesting. Yeah, like uh, twenty four drives per host, twenty four Gen five drives per host is going to be uh, or be able to push. Uh, a tremendous amount of throughput and um yeah it's gonna be a challenge even cramming it uh, pushing it out to the network even with 400 gig NICs is gonna be a challenge uh, but i suppose 800 with the rate of advance in networking over the last few years 800 gig is probably not that far away either so yeah at some point cpus will become the the problem oh, man. <laughs> my, my gigabit home network sounds slower and slower every day <laughs> but but then we'll have bluefield as uh, to the rescue 
There we go. <laughs> I have to rerun my cables again. All right, cool. Right. Well, thank you, awesome. Mauer. I mean, it's been fantastic getting to, to know you more Indeed. and understand kind of uh, where we're going. Uh, Great conversation. And, uh, yep. So thank you so much. And so for uh, Cluster Conversations, I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And thanks we'll for joining talk us. To you guys thanks next very time. much.